Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the Greater Vancouver area. We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. I'm 42, and I have two sons, Alexandre and Nathan, uh, making me a busy mommy of 202. So today we're talking about when the kids call the shots with author and psychotherapist Sean Groover. So let's introduce ourselves. Hi, everybody. My name is Heather Fox, and I'm the co-host of Parent Talk. I am 41 years old and have a son named Hudson, and he's a year and a half. Hello, this is Sean Grover calling in from New York City. I'm an author and psychotherapist. I have two teenagers in my house, and uh, my book is When Kids Call the Shots, How to Seize Control from Your Darling Bully and Enjoy Being a Parenting Again, which is a mouthful, (laughs) but... uh, People seem to like it. Well, thank you so much for having me here. Well, thank Aaron you for... I'm um, really excited to speak with both of you. Yeah, we're really happy to have you uh, on our podcast all the way from New York. That's really... That's great, Sean. I have read your book. Heather have read your book, and we both loved it. And uh, I think the first thing I would like you to share with us is um, your experience of being bullied by your daughter at a Christmas event. Do you want to talk oh, about this? This is so yeah. embarrassing. You really want to hear this story? <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's start with So embarrassing. Okay. Well, um, first of all, I have to tell you, as someone who works with parents and children for nearly 25 years, no one gets a pass. Parenting is rough. It's stressful. I had a very stressful parenting day today with my teenagers, getting one off to college and one starting a new school and one needs a laptop and one needs a medical exam and, it was just chaos in my house this morning. So if, if you're, anyone listening is struggling as a parent uh, or worried about their kids or has anxiety about their kids, they are a good parent. Talk to anyone in the business. It's the parents who don't worry or aren't anxious or concerned that are neglectful. So it's just part of the territory. Um, this story was on New Year's Eve. I was attending a, a, a Buddhist celebration in a center near my house, the SGI USA Center. And toward the end, you know, it was crowded, it was packed, it was hot, and it was time to go. My daughter, I think, was maybe four or five at that point, and she decides she doesn't want to leave. So when I go to pick her up, she bolts into the crowd, and she is yelling and screaming, Papa, leave me alone. Papa, I don't want to leave. And she's, she's just tearing the place up, running under tables and nearly knocking old people over. It was such a scene. Uh, and, of course, naturally, all these people know I'm a psychotherapist who works with children. <laughs> They're all looking at me like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Anyone can handle it. So uh, I scooped my daughter up, got into a taxi, and I was just in full punishment mode. I was just ready Oh, you know that feeling as a parent, you really play the villain sometimes. And sometimes when you're mad enough, you really enjoy it. And I just couldn't wait to get home and take away everything, every stuffed animal, every book. I was going to take the door off her hinges. I would take the bed out of her room. I had had it. 
And at some point, she had calmed down and said, Papa, why are you making a happy day such a bad one? And I felt so ashamed. Yes, I was angry and upset. And yes, she was a, a, a small child and she didn't want to go home. But I was reacting in such a grotesque and brutal way. And I think as a parent, you get to a point where you actually don't like yourself. You make choices, you act impulsively, and you, you don't like yourself. Uh, just always dishing out, no, 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 you can't do that, can't do that. And it's just this, this sort of culture of negativity or uh, people punish or consequences. These are kind of like jailhouse parenting methods that have been around forever, and they don't work with every child. And they also can create a lot of tension in the household because it's just built on such of a top-down model of negativity. So when I got home and I felt completely defeated and I looked at all the parenting books that I had bought for myself because I was struggling to develop my own style as a parent, or as a new parent, uh, I realized that these books were just so generic. They were just checklists. They made everything sound so simple, like 10 steps to the well-behaved two-year-old or everything sounded like it was just a snap. And I actually started to feel worse about myself because the book suggested that I was doing it wrong. Uh, so my book, I really set out to uh, write from the perspective that if you really want to understand your child, you have to start with yourself. If you really want to see a change in your child, you're going to have to question and consider your own behavior. Now, if we, we take uh, the me bullying or, or punishing, uh, if that were the primary, uh, my primary uh, action that I took when she did something wrong, then eventually this, this household is going to get very tense, and she's going to push back, and she's going to bully back. So the book forced me to dig down and ask hard questions of how do I manage my own frustration? How was I parented? What did my parents do right? What did they do wrong? What am I repeating? What kind of culture am I creating in my household? How am I communicating? How am I listening? These are all issues that have to do with me as a human being before I even begin being a parent. So um, in the book, I have a lot of worksheets and questions, and I really ask parents to take a step back and take stock of their life, their choices, their relationships, and ask themselves, are they blaming the mirror for their reflection? Are they modeling behaviors that their child is just playing back to them? Um, so that, that was the genesis of the book and the beginning of a, of a journey for me towards reinventing myself as a parent. So why do kids bully their parents? Why do kids bully their parents? Yeah. Well, that's just, that just goes with the territory. Uh, bullying is really, you have to look at it first from a testing perspective. Kids are natural problem solvers. Uh, They have a lot of energy and they're very creative, but they don't know limits. They don't know uh, what's safe and what isn't safe. Um, So if you go to a kindergarten class, it's all about everything structured, right? Playtime, snack time, nap time. Um, So that really helps children learn to contain themselves and delay gratification or 
manage their frustration. So testing is normal. It's bedtime. I don't want to go to bed. This is a test now of the parenting. Something's on the table. Ew, I don't want to eat that. This is a test. So how you work through those challenging moments, helping your child to work through it, um, is going to determine whether that testing turns to bullying. So there's many ways that that can happen. If you bully your child or punish your child, that child's going to take that attitude toward you. And if you're a yeller, you're going to have a child who's a yeller. Uh, so uh, bullying is really nature's way of putting uh, children and their parents on a collision course. As a parent, unfortunately, you have to say no. And children don't like no. So, but it's in, the, it's in the working through of that conflict. Are we working it through in a way that's helping a child mature and develop self-mastery, or are we just ending the conflict by dominating them and forcing them to do things? Uh, these are questions that we really have to ask ourselves and find your own style. Uh, I'm not suggesting any scripts or anything people should say directly to the kids in this way. Everyone's different. You have to experiment with these things. And everyone always, when they come to my office with a problem and I spend time, to, spend time with them exploring uh, possible solutions, they always come up with better ideas than me because they know their child better than anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's all about control from the child, right? Yes, that's right. Well, and also the child may, as a parent, you're controlling your child all the time. And if they're in public or they're in climbing a bookshelf or hanging off a stairway, you're stepping in. You have to help control them. They don't have breaks. So children don't like that. So they may try to control you uh, mm-hmm. in return. Mm-hmm. But uh, no one likes being controlled. No. I don't care what age you are. Someone's ordering you around. You don't like it. So um, that's something in terms of communication style and how you relate with your kids. Uh, you need a, a great reservoir of patience or a place uh, of where you can renew yourself. Uh, so you can, you can stand because the, the demands of parenting are very, very strong. People don't realize that until you become a parent. I certainly didn't realize it until I became a parent how difficult a job this is. Yeah, how hard can it be, right? <laughs> I think we all think that at one point before becoming a parent, right? When you think about your own parents, suddenly you have a great depth of compassion. Um, my parents raised five kids. My mother's, uh, my, uh, my wife's parents had six. I don't know how. Suddenly when we became parents, we, we, had, we were in awe of how they did it. And we just had two. <laughs> What's the age group or what's the age that kids start bullying their parents? Well, I would, I would say the testing begins uh, very early. Uh, I'm always excited when I'm, just, I'm invited to speak at an elementary school because I feel like if we can intervene with parents who have children in elementary school, we can prevent a lot of bad habits from taking root. So the testing period, like the terrible twos, is the classic one. Uh, how that's managed and resolved really can echo for years to come. So um, by uh, addressing a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, working through those issues now, you're really, this is the scene of the crime. If we work that through well, we're going to have a lot easier time down the line. 
I did refer your book to a few people around me that I have a two-year-old, almost two-year-old. And um, I said, you have to read this. This is great things to know ahead of time, even before your child speaks. So, you know, you already have the knowledge where you want to go or where you don't want to go. But I, yeah, I thought, that's why I asked you that question. I thought, I hold, <laughs> I hold the, is the, is that can start, right? And yeah, I, I think I can Absolutely. see that with my son. He's really testing me sometimes here in there. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I see it, well, a, a simple thing like, uh, uh, let's say a, a three-year-old uh, tells her mother, shut up. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this acceptable? Is this Okay. If she gets away with that, if she gets away with telling her own mother to shut up or leave her alone, or she starts using that kind of language and it's not addressed, you just imagine where we're headed. If this is happening at two or three or four years old, when adolescence hits, you're going to have a monster on your hands. Mm -hmm. So hitting the pause button in those moments and addressing what's appropriate, what isn't, what can you do when you're mad, well, in our family, we don't say, use these words with each other. You know, all this is it's exhausting, but you're really laying the groundwork for a much more uh, healthy habit of communicating frustration without attacking people and name-calling, things like that. And the parent has to establish that. Children have no sense of structure, limits, and boundaries. They're just outdoing, you know, they're just all impulse and action. So it's really the parent's job to step in there, hit the pause button, and let's explore. You're really frustrated. You're really angry, or I'm really angry. Let's take a break. Whatever it is, some sort of structure to help children manage their feelings better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my son is all about go away, mommy, go away. But he has very little language. But he, I, and, and this is not acceptable. Mommy will not be going away. <laughs> that's right. And there, but that's a testing moment. They're seeing and. And children, when, when parents don't rise to the occasion uh, and they, they let their children speak to that, them that way or, or talk down to them or push them around, the child starts to lose respect for the parent. And then in, in this very bizarre way, the child starts to step into the parenting role, starting to tell the parent what they need to do or, and push the parent around. And, and everything at that point is just topsy-turvy. I think we've all seen this in, in airports or playgrounds or this monster child is bullying a parent. You want to just step in there and, you know, put a stop to it. But it, it's so much more complicated than what you're seeing in that moment. So, Sean, what type of children bully their parents? Every child's capable of bullying their parent. It's how it's managed by the parent that determines if the bullying will become uh, a natural way of relating or the bullying is captured in the moment and uh, put a stop to so it doesn't develop beyond that point. But depending on the personality of the child, if you have a defiant child, if you have an anxious child, uh, these things can really breed bullying behaviors. That's great. Is there a type of parents that are actually being bullied by their kids? Absolutely. It's, it's very interesting. A lot of the parents that I've worked with who uh, allow their kids to sort of push them around, they, they grew up, most of them grew up with very harsh parents. They had sort of 
very punitive or old school punishing parents, parents they were afraid of, parents who they, they hid things from because they didn't want to be punished. And they made a promise to themselves early on that when I become a parent, I'm never going to be like that. So they start to parent in defiance of their own parents' ways. So they become more accommodating, more generous, more giving, more indulging. You have trouble setting limits. Uh, and then we begin to see the child, which child without limits, uh, without good structure limits and boundaries provided at home, becomes more anxious, becomes more aggressive, becomes uh, more out of control because they, they feel like no one's in charge. So uh, most the, the three types of parents I see most in my office, would be the first would be the guilty parent. That's a parent where something has gone wrong, either in the marriage, maybe the separation or divorce, or there's an illness, one of the children is sick, or maybe the parent's sick, or there's financial hardships. Whatever it is, the parent feels so bad that they've now subjected their child to this horrible thing. And so they start to overindulge to relieve their own guilt. They start to reward. They start to oh, let things go a little looser because, oh, my goodness, this child's been through so much. And then uh, the bullying is definitely going to take root. The other one would be the anxious parent. This is the first-time parent, uh, or it can be a second-time parent. Anxious parents generally... An anxious person, they tend to worry. My mother was a great worrier. There was always cautionary tales. She couldn't look at a sunset without saying, you know, if the sunset on the water, she'd say, oh, yeah, it's beautiful, but you could drown in a heartbeat. <laughs> she'd just <laughs> always, find, uh, always find some sort of cautionary tale to throw in there. So the anxious parent worries all the time, and they communicate to the child, and I don't believe in you, I don't trust you, I don't think you're capable because I'm so worried about you. And the child doesn't like that. No one really likes being doubted all the time, so they begin to push back and become more aggressive. And the, um, the finally, the parents that tend to attract bullies are uh, fixers. These are the fix-everything parents where they, they, they have no patience, they just want to get the job done, and they rob their children of that crucial process of frustration, wrestling with frustration, mastering it, and then maturing, what they do is they step in and, uh, and lay down the law. So uh, they have no tolerance for that process, and they rob their children of that very important process, which breeds more maturity and uh, more capability. They just want things to be right. So those three parents, all of them are very, very surprised when they see their children acting out they're all good parents. They all are doing their best, but they just don't understand why they're getting this result. Where do we start if we know or where we think we're actually being bullied by our kids? Well, the first thing we have to acknowledge, we have to ask ourselves, is it true? Is this happening? Am I being bullied by my kid? Most parents don't realize that. They'll come to my office for a consultation. And they'll sit in front of me and with their child, and I'll watch the child talking down to them, interrupting them, mocking them. And when I ask, you know, the child to step out, I want to talk to your parent alone now, I'll say, how long has this been going on? And they'll look at me and say, how long has what been going on? And I'll say, well, how long has your son been talking to you that way? 
what way? See, it, it started so early that it just became just part of the family culture. So most parents, I have to alert to the reality that there, there's an imbalance in their parenting and the child is picking up the slack by trying to take over the family. So um, the first thing we do is really have to acknowledge that. The second thing is self-care. Most parents come in and are burned out. They're not engaging in things that rejuvenate them. And they stop seeing friends. They stop being creative. They stop exercising. They stop eating well. And they fall into such a state of disrepair physically, psycho psychically and emotionally, that they can't possibly tolerate the demands of parenting. So even before I uh, get into the specific parenting uh, direction I want to take the family or, or specific homework, I have to work to get the parent back on their feet, feeling healthy, feeling better cared for, uh, taking better care of the relationship with their partner if they have a partner, seeing friends again. Once they're rested and feeling better, then I'm going to address the parenting. But if I have a parent who comes in here and their gas tank is on empty, I'm not going to be so effective. I think it's very important to take care of yourself, take time for yourself. So you miss your kids, they miss you. And yeah, so you, you create some excitement in your house. Keep being creative. I, I, I really like what you said, Sean, about being creative. And um, in your book, you talk about tension outlet. And as a parent, often we don't have as much time. My husband is a big golfer and dirt biker. That's the two things he really likes to do. And of course, with too little one, he doesn't go out and do it as much as he used to. But I encourage him to go. We try to do it as much as we can, but I, you really have to take the time to do whatever makes you happy. So you're happy parents for your kids. Yeah, I think that's very important to, uh, to say that's that. That's right, because every child... Every child wants a happy parent. They, an unhappy parent is a burden at any age. If an adult came into my practice and uh, I'm working with them and I said, hey, your mom called me and she's taking a cross-country tour. She's uh, signed up for dance classes. She's so excited. She's never felt better. She's feeling good and healthy. And I said, how would you feel if I told you your mother called and told me that? And everyone says the same thing. Relieved. I would feel so relieved because an unhappy parent is a burden no matter what the age. So when you go out, if your husband goes out golfing uh, and comes back, he's in a different frame of mind. If you go and do something creative alone or with your child, you're in a different frame of mind. So these, these tasks are not selfish at all. Uh, being selfless is not good parenting. You have to model self-care. And most kids... If you have a babysitter and you go out on a date night with your husband or, or you go out to do something special, when you come back, they see the difference in you. They're so excited. You have to give your kids a chance to miss you, too. If you're with them all the time, they'll just take you for granted. But when they see mommy or daddy is out doing stuff, they get really excited about that. It, it, it gives them permission, too to have interests and passions and things they can do on their own without their parents. So it works both ways. Most people will say, oh, that's so selfish. No, 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 not at all. You can't be a good parent and not practice self-care. Mm -hmm. So if we haven't been enjoying being a parent, how can we enjoy being a parent again? 
Well, let's say we've, we've dealt with uh, parent burned out. We've got you up and moving again. We've got you being creative. We've got you uh, being friends you don't see. I always ask parents, uh, I, I would like to ask you to have a, an identity that's separate from yourself as a parent or yourself as someone's partner. I want you to go back to you. And most parents, if I ask them, tell me something you gave up when you became a parent. Tell me a passion you had that you let go of when you became a parent. How can we resurrect that? So once we get all those things in motion and, and there's much more energy and creative energy going around and the parent is much better rested, then we're going to look at what, what activities can you do with your child that you enjoy. A lot of parents will come in here because there's behavior problems and they want to fix those problems. They want them to go away, and they want me to wave a magic wand and make their kid different. Often I will say, what do you do together that you really enjoy? And they will struggle. And, well, we used to go to basketball games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we used to go bike riding. All right, your homework is I want you to go bike riding this week. Get, so once they start resurrecting these, um, these tasks, these activities, the things they do that they enjoy, it brings all this vitality back to their relationship. Then we have plenty of energy to deal with the problems. But if we're just hammering away at the problems, it's just, it's just such a drag. It's just where we're just trying to fix a leaky ship. Um, mm. So finding things you love to do with your kids, something you can do creative, something you can do physically. I talk about the five things every kid needs. Car, tension, tension outlets are great for parents and kids. Um, my own daughters, I don't know how it happened. Well, I know how to. My wife goes to the gym and drags them to the gym very early. And my two daughters are remarkably athletic. I'm not. <laughs> but they are doing kickboxing and dancing. And they were, I just left and they're going to another class this afternoon together. All that came out of my wife's hard work in terms of getting them to go to the gym with her, get them to go to a dance class with her. They, they got the hang of that. So finding that, uh, those activities that you can do with your kids uh, will really refresh your relationship and, and give you a lot more creative energy towards solving the problem areas. Mm -hmm. So you got to take care of yourself and then you got to take care of your relationship if you want to be able to take care of your family. It's just that simple. There, there, <laughs> there is nothing, uh, no machinery I know of in this world that doesn't need maintenance. And relationships, whether you're married or whether it's a father and daughter, they need maintenance. So this playfulness, this fun, this silliness, and often on, these, on those excursions, I tell them, there are, let's identify three things no one wants to talk about. And homework, we don't want to talk about homework. We don't want to talk about academics. All right, so we create these little island vacations that we can have that time alone to enjoy ourselves as a family, and we'll deal with those things later. But that these moments are really important for me in working with parents and reestablishing re a positive flow of energy between them and their child. Well, thank you, Sean. So we can find Sean on our panel of experts at parenttalk.ca. But Sean, where else can we find you? Well, my website is seangrover.com, S-E-A-N-G-R-O-V-E-R.com. I have lots of uh, videos and articles 
and uh, suggestions, and you can email me through that site if you have a question. I get questions from all over the place. This bullying, bullying, bully parent dilemma, <clears throat> I thought this was just a group of parents in Manhattan that I was seeing. Uh, but the book so far has been translated into four different languages. So it's obviously a much bigger problem than I ever anticipated. So if, you, if anyone has a question, they want to email me, they're more than welcome. Well, that's very nice, Sean. Thank you. So I think it's time for a conversation card. It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask. Sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it will be this week. Heather, can you please uh, pick it and read it to us? All right, everyone. So today's question is, what is the best and worst thing about your position in the family birth order? Okay, I can give you each. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I'm, the middle, I'm, I'm the middle child. I have two older brothers and two younger sisters. And I was the peacemaker. I was the one trying to uh, help everyone get along. I was the one who was uh, maybe a, a little eager to, to resolve problems in the family. This is actually probably why I became a psychotherapist. I mean, this is what I <laughs> This is exactly what me and uh, Heather are thinking right yeah. now. <laughs> you were the yeah, mediator, yeah. Exactly yeah. But it's very interesting about the middle child because... Um, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Um, I worked really hard to, to sort of please other people that I often didn't get my own needs met. And the story I like to tell is uh, I was always decorating for parties, birthday parties and, and so forth. I put up balloons and streamers for my siblings. I loved it. It was so much fun. And almost inevitably, my birthday would come, no one would decorate Aww. And I would complain, Aww. I know, isn't that terrible? Because I was the decorator. So one year, I think it was in about 10th grade, or not 10th grade, it's too old. <laughs> Maybe in third, fourth, that'd be pathetic. I was in uh, fourth grade, and I took all the direct decorations out, and I left them on the kitchen table, and I went to school. And I came back, and they were put away. And I thought, well, what is the matter with these people? So I took all the direct decorations out, I put them on the kitchen table, and I went to school. And I came back, and they were put away. So I got them out again, and my mother saw me, and she said, what are you doing? Why do you keep taking these decorations out? And I said, because it's my birthday. And I was, like, in tears. And she said, oh, do you want us to decorate for you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think the middle child was, was uh, as a middle child, I was great at, at being of service and being fun to others, but I didn't ask for a lot for myself, and I think it's something I still struggle with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm the oldest, and I just have one younger sister. Um, so probably the best part, I definitely liked that I got to do things first. I was given a lot of responsibility, which I liked. I kind of always kind of took on that leadership role, and um, I definitely enjoyed that. But on the flip side, it what was the best is also a little bit of the worst because I got to do everything first. Well, that's also where 
you know, parents explored with punishments and parents were, you know, learning mm-hmm. their, you know, their kind of reins and trying to figure it all out. And, you know, I was the guinea pig because I was the first. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, absolutely. so it kind of is, it's the best and the worst and it's kind of the same exact thing almost. So, yeah, so that's what I would have it's to say. It's true. That first yeah. child is, yeah, they really pay the price. <laughs> yeah, they, they the do. parents have the least, they have the least experience. Yeah. I think my, my little sister, the fifth one, by that point, she could do anything. They didn't care anymore. <laughs> totally. <laughs> They're just done. They're just done. But well, my brothers lived on a leash, you know. Right. My older exactly. brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you, Genevieve? Well, for me, I'm the oldest, and I had a younger brother, Alexandre, which is my son's name. I think what I loved about being a big sister is definitely taking care of my little brother. I'm thinking about when we went to elementary school. I, I actually, I was always really proud of him, and I would defend him if anybody would touch my little brother. And I always, I don't know, I was really proud of this. I mean, I don't know if it's a power thing or what it was, <laughs> but I really liked to take care of him. And uh, he often used it as, like, I will go get my big sister. And I was always <laughs> proud of this. So one of the, this is one of the joy of being a big sister and being protective, I guess. And um, the worst side of things, I would say, um, it was definitely my parents were stricter with me. So I rebelled much more than my brother. My brother, uh, yeah, I guess I, I was the first one. So I opened a lot of doors for him. Um, yeah, I think I had a little bit more, quite a bit more confrontation with my parents when I was younger than he did. So more tears on my side. <laughs> and uh, when my brother passed away from ALS, so now I'm the only child. And uh, I feel a lot of responsibility because my parents are getting older and I'm the one that is away. My family's in Montreal. I'm adding a little twist here, but uh, it's it, being an only child too, it's something that uh, I can be a little bit of, um, I'm more worried now. I'm more, uh, I feel more responsible and uh, it's all out of love though. Yeah. Mm. So that concludes today's episode. I want to thank you, Sean. And thank you, Heather, for being here today. Um, Thank you for uh, taking the time and contributing to uh, other parents' life, helping us be the best parents we can be. For our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on a show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. Or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on the website so you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. If you have a minute, please review us on Apple Podcasts. We want to know what you think. And uh, remember, there's nothing more powerful than, than feeling supported by a community of parents. By sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences, Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. So thank you for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.